You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Wednesday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and we are continuing our preview of the Iowa Hawkeyes football schedule. We've started with Indiana and Iowa State on Monday. We got through Maryland and Penn State yesterday, and we are on to Purdue and Wisconsin. We are making our way through those Power 5 teams. This is a reminder as well that I am currently in Alaska on vacation, so all this was pre-recorded last week. So if you're looking for breaking news, if you're looking for recruiting updates, if you're looking for analysis of Media Day, I will get to all that next week when I get back. But for now, we're going to do a breakdown of the 2021 schedule. And let's kick it off with Purdue. Before we get to that, though, if you want more Big Ten news, there's simply no better place to get all the news on the Big Ten Conference than with Nate Dickinson and the Locked On Big Ten Podcast. Follow the Locked On Big Ten Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast app. And before we get into the Purdue talk, let's do a quick recap. I've been giving predictions of each of the games. I started with the win against Indiana. I think that game is actually going to be a bit easier for Iowa to win than many are predicting. I think Kinnick, I think the fact that Michael Penix Jr. is going to be uh, in his first game back since injury, I think that is going to be a relatively easier win for Iowa than people think. Offensively, Indiana wasn't actually that good last year. They had a perception of being talented, but they were not actually that strong. I think Iowa's defense can handle them pretty handedly. Iowa State's going to be a very tough game. Arguably the toughest game Iowa has ever played against Iowa State from a talent level perspective. I do think Iowa pulls it out. I think they are finally the underdog in this series. Truly an underdog. And I think they are going to get the W there against Iowa State. They have two gimme games against a group of five teams. And then they get Maryland. Maryland is not a very good program. I know they had some ups and downs last year. They finally have a quarterback. But overall, Maryland is just not a very good program at this point. That should be an easy win for the Hawks. And then Penn State. Penn State's a a toss-up game, but I truly do think Iowa has just as much talent as Penn State, and the fact that this is going to be at Kinnick gives me reason to believe that this will be a W for the Hawkeyes this upcoming season. So you're now all caught up. If you haven't listened to Monday and Tuesday's episode, I highly recommend you do. If this is your first episode this week, we are basically breaking down the top players on the offensive side of the ball, the top players on the defensive side of the ball, matchups to watch out for, storylines to watch out for and giving you a prediction and also just a reminder if you didn't listen to last week's episode we had Josh Ogundale on the show Iowa basketball player Josh on the show and we kicked off our NFL summer preview series as well highlighting Iowa Hawkeyes across the NFL so let's get into it Purdue Purdue I'm scared of I freaking hate playing Purdue playing Purdue is the worst it is starting to feel like Northwestern was feeling a few years ago where even when Iowa has a better team, Purdue finds a way to ruin the middle part of the season. So let's look at the offense. Purdue is returning 85% of their offensive production. That's a lot. And when you factor in, Purdue's offense has arguably given Iowa the most fits out of any program in the entire country the last three to four years. That scares the heck out of me. It starts with David Bell. David Bell is going to be an NFL wide receiver. He's an All-American type of wide receiver. And against Iowa, he has absolutely exploded. 
Last year versus Iowa, 13 catches, 121 yards, three touchdowns. As a true freshman against Iowa, 13 catches, 197 yards, and one touchdown. Heck, if you're not worried about David Bell, just be worried that one of the Purdue wide receivers are going to go off. In 2018, Terry Wright, six catches, 146 yards, three touchdowns. In 2017, Anthony Mahoganu, seven catches, 135 yards, two touchdowns. Wide receivers find a way to burn Iowa at all times. I don't know what it is about Jeff Brom, but since he has taken over, they have a way to handle Phil Parker's defense that other teams should truly be looking at. Now, what's funny about that, if you can find this funny, is that Iowa still doesn't allow that many points to Purdue typically. However, they allow a lot of yards, and they do allow Purdue to be close in that game. Two other players I would like to highlight on the offensive side of the ball, Xander Horvath, uh, 442 yards and two touchdowns last year. His best game came against Iowa. I remember doing a preview of Iowa versus Purdue going into that game and thinking, Iowa just needs to focus on the passing game. They don't need to worry about the run because Purdue was not a very good running team. They like to pass the ball. However, kudos to them. They rushed 21 times with Xander for 129 yards for a 6.1 yard per carry average that absolutely destroyed Iowa's defense, especially in that second half. The other guy to watch out for is on the opposite side of David Bell, Milton Wright, 24 catches for 305 yards. Now, quarterback is typically a position we try to highlight here. We don't know exactly who is going to be the quarterback, but honestly, it doesn't really matter. It could be Jack Plummer. It could be Aiden O'Connell. It could be Austin Blurton. There are so many options here. Either way, whoever gets behind center for Purdue is probably going to produce. That is basically what I've come to realize here. They are probably going to produce, and they're going to produce well against Iowa. I'm going to skip defensive players here for a second. I want to get into the storylines because I think this is really important. When I talk about quarterbacks producing, under Jeff Brom, they have done a phenomenal job against the Hawks. Passing the ball. 2020, 282 yards, a 62% completion percentage, three touchdowns, two interceptions. 2019, 327 yards, a 60% completion percentage, two touchdowns, one interception. 2018, 333 yards, 71.9% completion percentage, four TDs, two interceptions. 2017, 229 yards, and three TDs. In that time, Purdue is 3-1 and one against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Outside of a Wisconsin or Penn State, that's the best that teams have done against Iowa. Purdue. Now, many don't expect a big jump for Purdue this year. Purdue typically, even under Jeff Brom, has not been a 10-win team, right? They are right in the middle of the pack. Seven, six, seven wins, five wins, right in that middle area but they always find a way to come up and play against Iowa. If Bill Parker can figure out a way to finally stop Jeff Brom, and again, I, I use finally stop loosely, right? Iowa has a bend but don't break defense, but they struggle against David Bell. They struggle covering one wide receiver every single time. I don't know what it is about Purdue, but they find a way offensively to get the ball to one guy and really disrupt Iowa's defensive game flow. Can Phil Parker get the best of Jeff Brom? That is going to be the difference in this game. Iowa's offense is better than Purdue's defense. Purdue's offense 
isn't something to write home about typically, except for against Iowa. Can they stop that offense? That will be the key, in my opinion, to this game. Coming up on segment two, we're going to continue our review of Purdue, and then we're going to get into some Wisconsin talk. I want to talk about the three top three defensive players on the Purdue side and go through a few more storylines. That's all coming up on segment two of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. We're going to take a quick break with a few messages from one of our or two of our sponsors of the show today. That's coming up right now, and then we'll get back with segment two. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and the NFL and college football seasons are right around the corner. Unless you want to bet on preseason games, you can do that right now. But you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs at BetOnline.ag. So before the next pitch or the next snap, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information today. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the games as teams prep for the runs to the playoffs or their path to the Lombardi Trophy. Again, head over to that website, get that free account, and use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, y'all, we are back for segment two of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Before we took a break, we had talked about the top three offensive players on the Purdue side, David Bell, Xander Horvath, and Milton Wright. We talked about some of the storylines. Can Phil Parker get the best of Jeff Brom? Or will Purdue continue to be a thorn in Iowa's side, considering Iowa's 1-3 since Jeff Brom has joined the Purdue Boilermakers? That will be very interesting to see. This is a very scary game. I have no reason to believe that we have figured out what to do against Purdue. But before we get to my prediction, let's talk about the top three defensive players. George Karlaftis is a freaking beast. In 2019, 54 tackles, 17 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, one forced fumble. He is someone that we are going to have to worry about. Again, Spencer Peters, we talked about the last couple days. He is not a mobile quarterback. You need to be able to protect him. Otherwise, he is not going to be able to do a lot going forward. Defensively as well, Demarcus Mitchell, he plays kind of like a, more like Iowa's Leo backer, but kind of like a star position as well, some with cash, more of like a hybrid linebacker defensive end. Last year, third in tackles, six tackles for loss, one sack. So again, trying to get that pressure on the quarterback. Can they do it? That will be a huge um, indicator of success if they can against Iowa. And then Corey Trice, a corner has been pretty solid for Purdue. Fifth in tackles of 28 and two passes defended last year. He will likely be, if Purdue decides to go to man, manning up on um, Tyrone Tracy Jr. So that will be interesting to see. As far as the matchups go, I think we kind of talked about it a lot, but really it's David Bell versus Iowa secondary. Can Iowa finally figure out a way to handle David Bell after narrowly missing out on David Bell during recruitment? Some of you might not remember that. Iowa was one of David Bell's front-running teams. Iowa thought they had a chance. He chose to go to Purdue. I mean, it's out of a a pipeline. Uh, Iowa does a really good job of recruiting out of Indianapolis, a guy out of Warren Central, a four-star recruit. Iowa was hot on David Bell's trail, and they just couldn't get it done, which I understand. It makes sense. I mean, he officially visited the Hawks. December 15, 2018. Usually if the team gets the last visit, you think maybe they have a good chance. 
Four days later, he signs with Purdue. You'd have to imagine he really was considering choosing Iowa. Nevertheless, he goes against Iowa and torches us every single time. Can the Iowa Hawkeyes stop David Bell? That will be a key matchup to watch for. And honestly, Phil Parker versus Jeff Brom. What is going to happen there? Can Phil Parker finally stop this passing attack? If they can, Iowa wins this game. I'm going to predict this to be... Oh, this is tough. This is really tough. I, I'm i going to call this a win. I know that's tough. I think if Iowa gets to this point, they are not going to let a slip. You know what? Oh, gosh, this is so tough. I, I, you know what? I'll predict the loss. I say they're going to lose to Purdue. I do not buy that Iowa can stop them. It feels like Purdue is that thorn in Iowa's side. It's the If they were to get to this point, that means... They are 6-0. and They're due for a potential disruption there. And I think it comes at, you know, against Purdue. So um, I'm going to predict Iowa to lose a close one to Purdue in this game. We're going to get into Wisconsin now, though. Wisconsin is always a fun team to play against because they play so similar to Iowa in style. But that actually makes it pretty difficult. We've actually heard Iowa players mention that going up against Wisconsin's offense can be difficult because... It's a similar offense to what they play, but they don't prepare for it as much. They're so used to preparing for the spread. They're not used to going to that you know, ground and pound attack that Wisconsin has that is similar to Iowa having an eye formation, lining up with two wide receivers or two tight ends, whatever it might be, 22, 21, whatever. They're, it's not an offense that Iowa is familiar with as much anymore. It also means that Iowa is likely going to be in three linebackers the entire game. We might even see them get a little bit more creative and play four if they really need to, but I, I bet it's going to be three with moving one of the safeties up. I think this linebacker crew, out of all the linebacker crews Iowa had, has had, though, will be pretty effective at getting to the rusher. In the past couple of years, the issue is we have a lot of guys stacked in the box, and Wisconsin still manages to fall forward, still manages to get to seven, eight yards, but that was with Jonathan Taylor. Now, we're going to talk about this here in a second, but Jalen Berger is a very good running back, and they have another backup behind him that will also be good. But I feel like this is arguably the highest ceiling of linebackers Iowa has had in some time. And with Justin Jacobs in that game, Justin Jacobs is a, is a stud. Um, you know, maybe doesn't know the defense as well as Seth, you know, Seth Campbell or, or Seth Benson or Jack Campbell. Maybe does, but either way, having those three guys on the field will be huge. Um, they are big-time athletes and able to handle athletic running backs coming out of the backfield. So between those three, I feel like this will be a good opportunity for Iowa to finally get the better of Wisconsin in that rushing attack. What's really going to be interesting about that this game is that these are two top 10 defenses, and these offenses are actually pretty similar. You have two offensive lines that are historic historically good, annually good. Wisconsin's a replaced a few guys, so does Iowa, but both these offensive lines are expected to be top-notch. Quarterbacks, young quarterbacks who actually have pretty comparable stats, which I'll get to here in a second. You have stud running backs, and you have stud tight ends, and two phenomenal defenses. There is a very good chance, this is one of the storylines, I think this could be a rematch of the 2015 game. If Iowa beats Purdue... This is a very similar situation to when Iowa played Wisconsin at Wisconsin in 2015 and won 10-6 in Wisconsin. It was an ugly game, I know, because I was there. It's also worth noting that if we get to this point and both teams are undefeated, this is the battle for the Big Ten title. 
Pick six previews believes that these teams, two teams are basically neck and neck. I would also agree with that. These are very similar teams. Both teams have the ability to win the Big Ten title, and it comes down to who wins in Madison. So that is the difference between an amazing season and a pretty good one. It is this game right here, in my opinion, looking at the calendar. It is Iowa versus Wisconsin in this matchup. Coming up on segment three, we're going to get into some of the keys, key matchups of this game and also the, the top offensive players and top defensive players. And I want to talk about Spencer Petrus versus Graham Mertz because when I started looking at these stats, it got a little bit more interesting. So we're going to cover all that here in a few short seconds, but want to give you a few announcements and messages from the sponsors of the show today right now. You've heard me talk about it before, but Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market today. It is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. They have flavors for literally everyone. Sweet, salty, fruity, you name it, they've got it. And all these bars are covered in 100% chocolate. But the best part about these bars are not just how delicious they are, it is how healthy they are for you as well. Between 17 and 18 grams of protein, between 130 and 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, it is the Built Bar, the protein bar that is used by the track and field team, and is also the protein bar sponsoring BYU walk-ons and paying for their entire scholarship. So why wouldn't you want to try a fantastic tasting protein bar from a company like that? Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, y'all, we are back for our third and our final segment of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. When we took a break, we were breaking down the storylines of the Iowa-Wisconsin game. Now we're going to get into the top offensive players and the top three defensive players. Top offensive players starts with Graham Mertz. But what I find interesting about this is Graham Mertz is getting a significant amount of hype. Now, stats are not everything. I've seen several games that Graham played, and I thought he played pretty darn well, despite, statistically speaking, not being that much above Spencer Petras. But Graham Mertz is undoubtedly a top player. There's a reason why Jack Cohn transferred. It's because Spencer Peach or because Graham Mertz is the future of Wisconsin quarterback play. However, against Iowa, he went 20 of 38 for a 52.6% completion percentage, only 169 yards, and one interception. That is nothing to write home about. In the backfield with him is another younger guy, Jalen Berger, who shared carries with Garrett Groshek last year. Had 60 attempts, 301 yards, two touchdowns. I expect him to be sharing carries with Chaz Malusi, a four-star transfer from Clemson. However, Jalen Berger should be the feature back and should be getting a significant amount of carries behind that big-time offensive line. And then at tight end, Sam Laporta's direct competition for all Big Ten is Jake Ferguson, who finished last year with 30 catches, 305 yards, four TDs. In this game, we will see the two best tight ends in the Big Ten and quite possibly two of the best top three or four tight ends in the entire country in this one game. Tight end play is going to be Fun to watch. Top three defensive players, Jack Sanborn, team leader in tackles last year, 52, four tackles for loss, one sack, one interception, one forced fumble, an all-Big Ten linebacker. Behind him, we got Caesar Williams, an all-Big Ten corner, or should be an all-Big Ten corner, I should say. 13 tackles, two passes defended, and Fayon Hicks, four passes defended, 13 tackles, also a guy who should be an all-Big Ten corner. They have a stout defense. There's a reason why Jim Leonard decided to stay at Wisconsin. He wanted to coach this defense. He did a phenomenal job last year, and they didn't lose a ton, a little bit on the defensive line, but overall their secondary should be strong. They got a strong linebacker play, and I expect this to be a top-10 defense this upcoming year. So the key matchups of the game, I think it starts the turnover battle. Who can screw up the least, in my opinion, is a matchup that I'm curious about. Who wins that turnover battle? 
And let me walk you through several years and how turnovers played an impact in this game. Last year, Iowa gets an interception in the end zone with Wisconsin down 21-7 after the Torrey Taylor punt. They also fumbled on the first possession to lead to an Iowa field goal. That's a 10-point swing right there. In 2019, Iowa fumbled on the third possession. Wisconsin scored a touchdown. Iowa also doesn't convert the two-point conversion. They lose the game. 2018, Iowa throws an interception down four. Wisconsin gets a touchdown a few seconds later. Also, that was the Sean Beyer fumble game, and Wisconsin scored off that as well. In 2017, Iowa fumbles in the final nine minutes. Wisconsin scores a touchdown to go up 38-14. to When Iowa was down 24-14, to they also threw an interception. Wisconsin went up to 31 to 14. And when they were down only 17 to 14, Iowa fumbled and Wisconsin ran it in for a touchdown. At one point, the game was 17 to 14, and it ended up going to 38 to 14 because of three turnovers from an uncharacteristic performance from Iowa where they turned over the ball a significant amount of times. Iowa does not turn the ball over that much, and yet in this game, they struggled mightily. So the turnover battle is going to be huge. Whoever turns the ball over the least will win this game. The Battle of the Trenches is also going to be a phenomenal matchup. Line play, it's its true Big Ten football. It's true winter football. It is what people who, you know, it, it is what um, football naturalists, I should say, love to see. They love to see that line play. This is a lineman's dream to see these two defensive line and offensive line go against each other. It is going to be a bloodbath down there. And the final matchup is really Spencer Petras versus Graham Mertz. And I'm going to get into these stats. Now I'm going to read you two sets of stats. And I want you to think about who you would want on your team. A 61.1% completion percentage, 1,238 yards, nine touchdowns, five interceptions. A 57.1% completion percentage, 1,569 yards, nine touchdowns, and five interceptions. Now, if you equalize that for games, you have the same if, – so if you were to span that out to be 12 games because each of these quarterbacks played a different amount of games, Graham playing seven, Spencer playing eight. In a 12-game 12 12 season, completion percentages stay the same. There are only 37 more passing attempts by one of the quarterbacks. The quarterback who had a 61.1% completion percentage threw for 2,122 yards over 12 games. 15.4 touchdowns and 8.5 interceptions. The quarterback with a 57.1% completion percentage threw for 2,353 yards, 13.5 touchdowns, and 7.5 interceptions. The difference is, do you want a guy who's going to get the ball, get a little more air yards and less interceptions, or more touchdowns and more risks? What if I told you that Spencer Petras is that quarterback who threw for 2,353 yards if you count it for 12 games, 13.5 touchdowns, and 7.5 interceptions. When you spread it out for 12 games, Graham edges Spencer by a touchdown, two touchdowns, and loses Spencer by one interception. And Spencer has 200 more throwing yards. Completion percentages, negligible. Not significant in my opinion. Now, I've seen a lot of Spencer Peters play, right? I saw him play all last year. I saw Graham Mertz play quite a bit. I am more impressed with Graham Mertz. But also, I think it's worth noting, are we being biased towards Graham Mertz based off his performance on primetime versus Illinois, where he threw for five touchdowns in that game? Are we? He completed 95.2% of his passes for 248 yards and five touchdowns. After that, take away that game... 
He threw for under 1,000 yards, four touchdowns, and five interceptions, and his completion percentage dips quite a bit. In fact, I'm going to do the, the table math here real quick. So if we have 118 completions out of 193 attempts, you have 118 minus 20. You have 193 minus 21, and you take those divided by each other. What do we get? 56.9% completion percentage. You take out the game where Graham Mertz went off against a very poor Illinois team. He has a worse completion percentage than Spencer. Yet the narrative is that Spencer is a terrible quarterback and Graham Mertz is the future. Now, I know tape is also very important to this, but I just think it's interesting to provide that context or, or that that other viewpoint, really. Again, I'm not saying Graham is worse than Spencer. I think Graham is a better quarterback than Spencer. But statistically speaking, they're actually a lot more even than people would think. So that is going to be a matchup I'm watching as well. This game, I think Wisconsin wins. Being at Camp Randall, that is never an easy place to go. If both these teams are ranked in the top 10, top 15, undefeated, I think Wisconsin wins this matchup. I think it's possible for Iowa to win it, but I'm predicting Wisconsin wins it. That is my prediction for today, though. Again, we covered Purdue and Wisconsin. We will be back tomorrow covering Northwestern and Minnesota, so stay tuned for that. Appreciate you all listening in. If you want some more Locked On content, you've got to check out the Locked On Bets podcast because betting on your team does not have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast app. And again, that will do it for our show today. We will be back tomorrow and Friday, continuing our Power 5 game preview of the Iowa Hawkeye football schedule. What are the key matchups? What are the key storylines? Who are the top players? All that coming tomorrow and on Friday for the rest of the remaining Big Ten opponents. Again, Hawkeye Nation, please make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us that five-star review if you like the show. And as always, I appreciate the love and the listenership, and let's go Hawks.